Welcome to Dental Assistant Nation, powered by Ignite DA. This podcast is designed to empower, enlighten, and educate dental assistants, helping them have a more fulfilling career and enjoy their day more. Join us as we tackle some of the hottest topics in dental assisting. Now, here's your host, Ignite DA co-founder, Kevin Henry. Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We are so glad to have this time together. Uh, And I I can tell you, I have been so excited about this webinar ever since uh, we started planning this a few months ago. And I can tell you, we have a record crowd who is showing up tonight for this. So I know we're going to have a lot of good uh, input and energy, uh, even though we're all spread out across our great nation right now. And we're also going to be recording this uh, tonight, not only for posterity's sake, and you can find it anytime on IgniteDA.net, but also as part of our Dental Assistant Nation podcast series that we're doing now on iTunes. Uh, So we're going to be sharing this with a lot of dental assistants around the country and certainly excited to do that. My name is Kevin Henry. I am the co-founder of Ignite DA and so thrilled to be sharing about an hour. uh, I've been calling it an hour of power uh, with all of you tonight. And obviously our special guest and uh, we will uh, introduce her in just a moment. But wanted to say, first of all, thank you to our sponsors who help make this free for everybody. Uh, you know, this is uh, Ignite DA is completely free. All of our webinars, blogs, everything that we do, uh, no charge to any of you amazing dental assistants. Uh, so we certainly thank Patterson, Wells Fargo, Ivaclar, Vivadent, Revenue Well, Zerk, Hugh Freedy, DMG, and Navoni. Thank all of them for their support of not only Ignite DA, but also of dental assistants all over the country. These are companies that have come to us and said, we believe in the power of the assistant, and we're so glad to be working with them. And I am so glad to be working with this lady right here, the amazing, wonderful Linda Miles. How are you tonight, Linda? I'm great, Kevin, and I hope you are and the attendees are. I am great because I get to spend an hour with you and with some great assistants. So it's going to be a a fun night. Uh, You know, whenever I put this slide together, I started thinking about what am I going to put on this slide whenever I could list about a million things for you. Uh, you know, but uh, uh, obviously founding the Speaking Consulting Network, SCN, that, that has been so vital in my growth and so many professionals out there. Uh, and then, you know, the, the co-founder of Oral Cancer Cause. And I wanted you just to, if you could just take a moment and kind of talk about OCC, especially with Oral Cancer Awareness Month coming up in April. Yes, thank you, Kevin. Um, as we all know, April is Oral Cancer Awareness Month. And for all of you dental assistants, uh, I don't know how many of you have actually had patients or friends or relatives or someone you know with oral cancer, but a startling statistic just came out, and that is that there's a 67% increase in young males 20 to 40 years of age due to uh, HPV. And one of the new programs, Kevin, that I'm not sure you're aware of is Dr. Wes Blakesley, who is uh, on our board of advisors for OCC, has been working with Amber and Chris Duvall and um, Emmy Sanders, and they have started a school program with college college kids for cancer. And uh, so we are spreading the word, and I'm just real excited about that project and I'm very, very excited about our bubblegum challenge 
And Absolutely. I hope that every dental assistant listening will want the bubblegum challenge in their own practice. And I would love to direct them to the site oralcancercause.org and Amber will send you all the supplies and I'm very happy to have uh, my social practice helping us with this year's event. You know, and, and uh, we've participated in that and it's such a, a great and easy way to, to make a difference, you know, and I, I think it's so cool that uh, Oral Cancer Cause started this uh, with the, the blowing a bubble for those who couldn't. And I think it's such a, a simple yet very powerful thing. Well, thank you so much, Kevin, for, for your support. And um, in, in, it's just a wonderful way to create awareness in communities throughout the country. So certainly, uh, you know, all of you tonight, um, if if I could ask you one thing, uh, you know, Linda has given of her time this evening to be with us, and we certainly don't take that lightly, uh, but just take a few moments and check out Oral Cancer Cause. Uh, look it up on, on the internet and see what you can do uh, as a practice uh, to really highlight this great cause, as well as to fight this horrible disease that affects so many people around the U.S. And Linda, that statue just gave a few minutes ago. If that doesn't open people's eyes, I, I'm not sure what will. I know. I know. It's very startling. It is. Well, let's dive in tonight. Uh, and, and we want to make sure, you know, Linda and I have been working on this program for a little bit, but this isn't just a chat between the two of us. This is a chat where any of you who are on with us tonight, we would love to have your questions as well. And we're going to save those for the end of the presentation. But if, you, if something is said tonight that uh, you, you have a question about, or you've got a question about something going on in your own career or in your practice or whatever, you know, this is a safe zone. So certainly feel free to ask those questions. And uh, Linda uh, will uh, we'll do our best to get an answer and, and whatever we can do. And you can use the chat uh, box that is on the bottom. Either use the chat or the questions box. I'll be monitoring those as the evening goes along uh, to make sure that we answer all the questions from our audience. So please feel free to participate. Uh, Linda, let's start with this first question because I think this is one that, that I know I get asked a lot and I'm sure you have always as well. You know, what are those main traits that maybe top-notch dental assistants always possess? Well, there must be at least 25, but I've <laughs> narrowed it down to I've narrowed it down to um, the three that we hear most often is they must be loyal, loyal mm -hmm. to the patients, loyal to the practice. Number two, they must be dedicated to the profession of dentistry. They don't have a, a job. They really, truly have a career. And the third uh, that we hear often is dental assistants have to have a strong attention to detail, whether they're admin or especially if they're clinical, because the doctor depends so much on their eyes and their hands to help with every single procedure. But if I could add three of my own oh, yeah. that I came up with that I really feel that when I've met so many dental assistants in my travels in seminars and consulting over the years, number one on my list is to come to work every morning with a cheerful, caring attitude. And the patients love, love, love to see all of us come to work and act like we're happy to be there and we're honored to care for them. So mm -hmm. cheerful and caring would be at the top of my list other than the ones we just mentioned. The next one on my list is to be an excellent, outstanding team member 
And that means with all coworkers, not just your best friend. <laughs> I think that we see a splintering between dental assistants and front office and back office. And I don't help her because she never helps me. And he uh, didn't do his share of the work. And, you know, you constantly hear about how teamwork is really, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to maintain a strong degree of helping other people, especially those that don't help you. But mm -hmm. I believe that if you kill them with kindness and they lighten your load, then they, or you lighten their load, they will tend to get the message. So excellent teamwork. And last but not least is a strong belief in their doctor, a strong belief in their doctor's dentistry, and a strong belief in their doctor's fees because those are the three things that a lot of dentists don't have or they don't know that how their dental assistants actually feel about them as their employer, how they feel about their dentistry. So constantly saying wonderful things about your doctor over the telephone, checking in, checking out, because the patients do turn to the dental assistant most often, the hygienist usually has a lot of stuff in their mouth, so they don't get to talk back as often. But that dental assistant knows as much about the de the dental assistant knows as as much about the patient's fears and anxieties, and and they'll ask you, you know, would you have this done? And yeah. so there's so many verbal skills that dental assistants, especially chair side, can have that seals the deal for case acceptance. You know, and, and you, you you start off by talking about loyalty. And, you know, I know that a lot of times dentists and assistants sometimes don't have the, the best relationships. You know, sometimes it's very mm -hmm. cold. It's very business-like. Mm -hmm. how, how can a, a dental mm -hmm. assistant kind of warm, warm that up a little bit or, or help uh, bridge that gap if they're having a little bit of a, a tough time with their dentist? Well, I see this all too often, and I'm sure all of you on this phone uh, call have found it uh, to be true in practices, hopefully not that you're working in now, but there's one word that, that I would love for every dentist to understand and, and to practice daily. Trust breeds loyalty. Mm. If you cannot trust your staff or you can't trust your doctor, You'll never be loyal to each other. So I think that dentists need to hear very frequently from management folks or from anyone who is has a voice and that they sit and listen to uh, is that uh, the four magic words of retaining really outstanding dental assistants and dental auxiliaries in general, hire them, train them, trust them, and praise them. That's great stuff. Boy, wouldn't it be great if every practice was like that? That would be tremendous. So when people in an elevator say, what do you do? What do you tell dentists? And oftentimes I say, well, first of all, I um, teach communication, organization, uh, leadership. But basically, I try to teach dentists to be really good bosses because they lose <laughs> some really good employees. <laughs> And so, believe it or not, they listened to me over the years. Well, and I think gaining that trust is such a 
tough thing for some assistants to get just because of the personality of the dentist, but it's something that you've always got to work on, you know, and, and mm -hmm. uh, you can't just, mm -hmm. just uh, wave the white towel as it were. Right. Right. Yeah. I think my basic behavioral style and frankly, Kevin, this word comes up very often when I do phone coaching and, and so forth. And that is, um, micromanagement. I personally could not work in a micromanaged situation because you'll never be self-directed and I want to be the best at whatever I do and I can't be the best if somebody has a thumbnail on me. And, and is that something that you would feel comfortable t openly talking about with the dentist and saying, you know, I, I want to do more in my career, but I, I feel like I'm being micromanaged? Absolutely. They need to do it alone, not as, you know, the whole team ganging up on the doctor. But uh, it's very, very uh, common that some behavioral style dentists are big time micromanagers. And you need to go to your doctor and say, I need to talk to you about something. Every person is going to make a mistake. How that mistake is handled will either destroy the person or they'll learn by their mistake and we all have made mistakes but here's how i feel when you say something in front of a patient or my coworker about you know you didn't have that instrument uh, where i thought it should be or anything mm -hmm. and you praise your people publicly you reprimand or train them privately mm. great good points and and I, and I know that there are some practices where unfortunately that doesn't happen, but, um, you know, you, you make a really good point about making mistakes. And I'm, you know, a friend of mine always used to tell me after I'd hit a bad shot in golf, you know, he'd always say it was about the recovery shot. You know, what are you going to do? <laughs> you hit a bad shot, yeah. you know, in the other fairway. Now, it's how are not you what happened, right? It's not <laughs> what happened to you, Kevin. It's how you react to what happened by your next shot. <laughs> That's true. And, you know, throwing your golf clubs, trust me, doesn't work. I can tell you that from experience. <laughs> it's a very frustrating game. <laughs> well, let's, uh, you know, and again, please, uh, I, I sent out a chat to all of you on the, the line. So if you have a question or something that comes up, uh, certainly re reply back in the chat uh, window. I'm looking at that and uh, happy to uh, pass that along as a question for Linda or whatever it might be. But uh, this, this is an interesting one, uh, because I, I know you believe this and I certainly believe that dental assistants and everybody in the practice are key employees to making that business run as efficiently as it possibly can. And so many assistants do have that command over the overhead and over some expenses in the practice. So certainly would love to hear your thoughts on this and maybe how the assistants can save a little bit more money and show their worth to that business. That's a great way of of of, um, of putting it, that definitely they are key personnel and definitely the dental assistants, especially those in charge of inventory control. So having a really good inventory control system, not wasting supplies, um, uh, being very organized, being organized saves time and time is money. Mm -hmm. And... Um, one of the systems that I uh, I taught when I was going into practices, and I said, you know, don't just put your new supplies in the front. 
have them in plastic or cardboard bins, that you pull the bin off the shelf, restock the back, so that you're using the oldest supply. You wouldn't believe the number of returns dental supply companies get because they're not, they don't have a good system mm-hmm. for inventory or keeping their supplies. And uh, we see a lot of waste, you know, among uh, supplies and they're very, very expensive. And so being organized, having a good relationship with their dental sales representative. I know a lot of dentists say, well, I order some from here and some from there and some from somewhere else and we save a few pennies or dollars. Uh, I was in one practice and the dental assistant's supply costs were 4.3%. The average was five to seven. And I commended her on such a phenomenal inventory control system, how she kept track of everything they needed with a back order uh, list. And, and now it's all, of course, computerized. But uh, she was so astounded that I was pleased with her performance because her doctor fussed her constantly about how much money they were spending on dental supplies. And I said, <laughs> You know, I know a few dentists down the street but would love to have you. So anyway, she felt very proud. So knowing what your number is on the profit and loss statement and knowing what the number should be. And if I were a dental assistant today, because I'm a real um, negotiator, I would go to my doctor and I would say, doctor, the office manager shared with me or you shared with me our supply costs are 7.4%. If I can get that down six to 6% over the next X number of months, may I please propose a bonus of 1% or one whatever you reduce it to, of, um, of uh, the practice profits. Mm. I mean, really and truly, if you told me that I was going to get a bonus for saving money, I could save lots of money. I'd probably be running around cold sterilizing the uh, saliva ejectors or something. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm only kidding. But no, they need to know the number. They need to know what their target is. And while we're speaking on dental supplies, if you do CAD CAM dentistry, CIRAC or E4D, if you do that or you do implants in your uh, general practice, you definitely need, or even in any specialty practice, you need to count those two things as laboratory cost because mm. it really throws off all of your other numbers. But ask your doctor, what percentage of overhead are we of collections are we spending on dental supplies? And it's my goal to reduce that by one or one and a half percent. And and our friend Sherry Busby asked a question, and I, I know I was going to save until the end, but it's a good time for me to ask this. Is there an inventory control system that you would recommend, or or how, how would an assistant find a, a good starting point for this? They would call their um, Patterson rep, their uh, supply rep. They would call them and have them come in and sit down and set up a good inventory control. Back in the day, you know, I, ladies and gentlemen, I was the first dental assistant that ever made a dollar an hour in 1961. So when I say I've been in dentistry 56 years, you're probably wondering how I'm still breathing. But anyway, <laughs> uh, we used the tag system. And when whoever took the last 
next to the last supply. And we also had a card on the front of the of the bin that said maximum and minimum. And the doctor decided how many maximum he or she wanted in the practice and what should the minimum be. So the minimum often was two. So when we pulled the tag on the tag system, then we went straight away and ordered that. So a tag and uh, and a you know um, plastic bins, cardboard bins, and uh, having a want list or a need list. Uh, there's just so many ways. And then asking and soliciting the help of the other team members to help you save money. But your dental supply rep would be happy to help you set up a really great inventory control. And I had a third uh, way that dental assistants can save. Um, money as well as increase net profits and that is um, I really wanted every dental assistant that I worked with clinical assistant to learn to do all of the pre and post treatment discussions with every patient and if you can save your doctor because we did a survey of time and time motion study and found that the average dentist spends 10 minutes a day talking to about 30 patients, sometimes 20 patients. So if you took seven of those minutes away from your doctor and could save your doctor seven times the num seven minutes times the number of patients he or she sees in a day by doing all the pre and post treatment discussions, and um, your doctor has to help you by creating what we call clinical cue cards mm -hmm. and that is that um, it, he would he would write down or she would write down exactly what they would say to a patient needing this particular procedure and in that pre-treatment explanation card would also be the patient's short and long-term benefit of making the investment in that procedure because until there is a benefit to the buyer patients will say no to whatever treatment that has been proposed. You know, so when it, our doctor walked out of the treatment room, he patted the patient on the shoulder and said, it was great seeing you today, Susan. I'm going to turn you over to my A number one dental assistant, and they were both his A number one. And uh, she's going to explain exactly what we've done today. She'll answer any questions you may have. She's going to give you some post-op instructions. I'll see you on your next visit. Bam, out the door to check a hygiene or to get another patient done. So delegating to the clinical assistant to do the pre- and the post-treatment discussions. And I'd love for each assistant to go in tomorrow and say, Doctor, we see an average of 23 patients a day. If I could save you seven minutes of talk time, by doing what Linda Miles recommended, uh, that's about what seven times twenty-one. That's how many minutes? Um, well, seven it's, better that's one hundred. That's one hundred forty-some minutes. So that's over two hours. That's almost two and a half over hours. Over two hours, which yep. allows them to do two more hours a day of clinical dentistry, which nobody can do but the doctor. So if the doctors would just not do all the talking. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and I tell you what I love is that your doctor would, would pat on the shoulder and say, my A number one assistant. And, and boy, right then, the, the patient knows that they're in good hands and they have faith mm -hmm. in the assistant. Uh, I, I love that little handoff right there. It's, That's amazing. 
it's it's uh, called passing the power. And when the doctor shows displays trust in the staff, whichever team member it might be, uh, it could be hygienist. When the doctor passes the power back to them, it says, "I trust her, and you're in great hands," as you said. And 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 you know this this is one of those things that again it just takes that conversation with the dentist and and I will tell you everybody listening tonight and and in future you know on the podcast or on on demand usually if you say Doctor Linda Miles said dot 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 that carries a lot. This is your get out of jail free card here that you're getting tonight. So and they're probably going to say, "Oh Lord, I heard that woman thirty years ago. I thought for sure she'd shut up by now." <laughs> Uh, no, I. you really have to help the doctors help the team. You really do have to help the doctors because, you know, they don't come out of dental school learning this. Sure. Well, uh, keep asking your questions. Uh, Sherry, I know I just answered yours. Heidi, I know you've sent in one, and I'm going to hold that till the end if that's okay because we're going to talk about that in just a moment. So, Heidi, hang on. Uh, I'm certainly listening to you. Uh, but Linda, before we leave this topic, just one thing that I want to reemphasize that you said is that power of the sales rep coming into the practice. And and I know I always beg assistance to pick that person's brain about the latest products, techniques, what's going on in the industry, you know, to kind of get that outside the practice uh, mm -hmm. look at what's really going on out there. Would you agree? Well, I agree. And when somebody said they, you know, ordered from all over the country and I said, develop a relationship with one good rep, one good company, and become a preferred uh, customer of theirs. These people are not just pushing products. These are on-site consultants. And so, as you said, Kevin, take advantage of their vast knowledge because they're just like dental consultants. They roll around from office to office and pick up little things and then they just spew them out to everybody else. But you have to set aside some time to have that one-on-one -on -one, uh, conversation and develop that relationship with your sales rep. Absolutely. Well, let's move into this third question. And and you and I were joking before we came on tonight. That this may be why we had such a big crowd coming tonight. Is that <laughs> And I know no office has the prima donna, you know, and no office has any drama or anything like that, I'm sure. Uh, but, you know, there, there are a lot of assistants out there that they and, and I've heard that's not my job. I've heard that so mm -hmm. often and dental assistants mm -hmm. just I know that makes their skin crawl. So let's talk about how do these amazing assistants work with somebody that maybe that's what their their belief is. That's not my job that's yours or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Or when I was the peon, I did that, oh, but now I'm the queen uh, bee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so first of all, rule number one, never run straight to the office manager or dentist until you've had a heart-to-heart -heart talk with this person. And I will tell you right up front, it'll be the bravest day of your life because these people do not, see themselves as they truly are. Mm -hmm. They truly have an inflated self-worth. And we all have different lens of self-worth, self but um, let this person know how it makes you feel when you're doing 70% of the extracurricular activities. 
you know, we all have our jobs in dentistry, but there's a ton of behind the scenes uh, procedures that have to be done as a team. And my whole thing is if you're going to enjoy the fruits of this practice, the benefits of this practice, just like everybody else, you need to share the scut work. And the scut work, S-C-U-T, is all the extra things that need done for the patient's benefit, the practice benefit as a healthier business, and for everyone else on the team. So when, when I say these people, usually they feel like they're better than, but I'd like to not only tell you what I would do, and that is to have this heart-to-heart -heart and let them know how it makes you feel. And uh, sometimes people are doing this and they're not aware of it. Most of the time, they're totally aware of it. Uh, and the second thing is have a frank discussion with your doctor after you've had the conversation who may be oblivious to the uneven distribution of duties. Because as a business owner, I just know that everything in my office got done. I was a, a um, I was never in the office except on Mondays. So being an absentee owner, I truly wanted and encouraged after they had had to try to settle it themselves. I wanted them to come to me or to Lee or to both of us and let us know because we're we could be oblivious to the uneven distribution and uh, be so busy ourselves we're not aware of it. But I think most dentists are fully aware of the prima donna or the queen bee. And I also want all of you to take notes on how you can gently talk to the doctor who may or may not know this uh, uneven distribution goes on daily. But I want you to explain to your doctor, and this can be AKA from Linda Miles, that where do queen bees and prima donnas come from? They don't come into a job like that. How do they become the prima donna? It, they, they become a prima donna because the doctor unknowingly has created these folks because the doctor is giving an uneven distribution of praise an uneven distribution of benefits or an uneven distribution of job, uh, you know, a, a job list. So anytime there's an uneven distribution from the top to one person, they feel favored. So uh, I will tell you this about a queen bee or a prima donna. They never resign. They have to be approached by their doctor if the doctor is as tired of this person's behavior and knows, I can't tell you how much it costs the practice to have a person on the staff that really feels that they are the queen bee and they're getting by with it. And the reason they won't ever resign, they would not have this power in their next job. So the doctor has to handle it. And the doctor has to be fully aware that he or she has created these wings on their back and this halo on their head. And uh, so I encourage my doctors to say to the team member who was causing all the ruckus and who had definitely created this monster, uh, is this weekend, I want you doctors to take a legal pad and draw a line right down the middle 
and put Sandy's name at the top and say, Sandy, over the weekend, while I was just thinking about the office, I made a list of seven phenomenal things that you do for the practice that I would have a very difficult time um, finding another person to do them quite as well. But while I was at it, Sandy, and this is the right-hand side of the legal pad, I also made notes of the three parts of your behavior that's causing your coworker stress, the practice to lose money, it's causing me to stay awake worrying about this inner, inner office conflict, and I made a conscious decision this weekend that I am now responsible for these parts on this side. I have allowed it to happen. One, you come in late, oftentimes maybe only 10, 15 minutes late, and you do that a couple times a week, and it's almost like, ha, 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 I'm the lead assistant, so he won't get rid of me. And the second thing that you do that totally, totally holds my practice back is that team meetings, especially when we have new people we're supposed to be encouraging, when someone brings up an idea, you sit there with a scowl on your face, your arms are folded, and you roll your eyes like that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So you squelch the enthusiasm and you squelch other people from participating. And the third thing that you do that annoys me, and I know it bothers your coworkers, and that is you feel privileged or entitled not to do your share of the housekeeping duties and the extracurricular duties. And so I'm giving you a 60-day notice. I'm giving you a two-week notice. I'm giving you 30-day notice. The doctor decides. And I want you to improve all three areas. We've discussed these three things casually before, but now I mean business. There's one person in this room who can change this problem, and it's you. And I guarantee if the doctor finalizes the statement by saying, I would love for you to be part of our future success. I will not tolerate these three weaknesses another day. It's up to you to improve or fix it completely and or the boat of opportunities leaving the dock in 30 days with or without you. I know there are so many assistants right now that are like standing up and applauding you and just going, yes, <laughs> this would happen. These are the words I want to hear uh, for somebody in our practice. Uh, how how did they start this conversation um, that, that maybe something's going on that maybe the, the doctor isn't aware of? And, and what's the line between informing and whining? And, I, you know, I hate to put it that way, but... Right. but I know that right. It's, it's a good way to put it, Kevin, because uh, first of all, as I mentioned, go to the person that is annoying you, that has this attitude, and say to them, I don't know, you would like to say, I don't know who, uh, uh, I'd like, uh, you wouldn't want to say, I'd like to buy you for what you're worth and sell you for what you contribute <laughs> around here. That wouldn't be nice. But you need to have that frank conversation. You might even take them to lunch and say, Here's how I feel when you leave right at 5 and I'm there till 5.45. And so you have to have the conversation with that person first.
to mm-hmm. see if that helps. And if it doesn't help in a week or so, you'll know if it's going to have that has improved. Uh, then you go to your doctor and say, you know, I don't know if you're aware of this doctor. You're very busy. I hate to unload on you, but there is a serious uneven distribution of duties. And uh, I know what causes it. And some dentists intentionally create it. And some most don't intentionally create it. But it happens so slowly that they're not aware of it even going on. But they feel the dissension. They can't put their finger on the problem. And, and I always think it's good to bring up something, you know, that this is hurting our business. You know, our, our, our customers oh. are seeing it. You know, that's, that's always a good way to approach it as well, correct? Well, it's also body language. A prima donna and a queen bee uh, walks with, you know, great deal of confidence. And if the doctor puts up with it, then shame on the doctor because the doctor has literally created it. And the doctor is the only one that can just put their foot down. And how many times have we all worked in an office where uh, the doctor hated to get rid of especially a long-term, excellent, uh, in many ways, dental assistant? And, you know, they hang on to them because, well, she's my right hand. She's been here 16 years. Oh, I don't know. The patients like her. And then all of a sudden the doctor does what we just discussed. And the person says, well, if you feel that way, I'll just go ahead and and resign. I was thinking about it anyway. And the patients are going to go to that doctor and say, I wondered when you were going to get rid of that attitude. They know. Yeah, absolutely. And the only thing the doctor says to me later, uh, because when I did consults, I didn't say fire this person, fire this person. I said, let's bring this person up to par because I really like them and I'd really like for them to be part of your future success, but they have some work to do. It's a great way to put it. Absolutely. Well, let's let's tackle our fourth question here that, that we've got. And uh, then uh, again, uh, for those of you uh, online with us live tonight, certainly feel free to ask your question in the question box and keep an eye on that. And uh, we'll fire those off to Linda here in uh, just a few moments. But uh, certainly pay. Uh, my gosh, we know that this is something that a lot of dental assistants uh, wring their hands about and, and they're trying to prove their worth to get those raises. So what's uh, some advice that you might give to assistants about uh, how to get that pay and package that maybe they deserve? Great. Um, first of all, Kevin, we have to know, <clears throat> and I will be honest with you, when I was an employee, a young employee, I had no idea where raises came from, because back in the day, we didn't discuss uh, income, we didn't discuss overhead, we didn't discuss um, collections and net profit of our business. And uh, so the first thing that has to happen is the doctor has to um, outline the um, net income, which is after write-offs, the collections, and know their percentages of of, uh, net production and collections. And our overhead is always based on collections. And so knowing where raises come from will increase the the practice profits. Raises are a result of decreased excessive spending or unnecessary spending for one. And number two is increased productivity. The only two ways that we can get a raise is to 
have a better net profit. And that is keep more of what comes through the front door. And so it's a lot easier, in my opinion, to increase practice productivity because if there's excessive spending, hopefully the dental CPA is going to talk to the doctor about where the where the excessive spending is going, like buying new technology but never uh, enlisting in the training so that everybody is proficient. That's a waste, in my opinion. Uh, but um, I was in a practice once that had 14 employees, and they hadn't had a raise in two years. And when I did my personal interviews, uh, I went back upstairs. We did our interviews downstairs and went to the front desk. It was about 1130, and there were five ladies sitting there chit-chatting. Because when a consultant comes in, of course, the team members are going to say, what she say to you? Do you think we're going to get a raise, blah, blah, blah? And they were all happy to see me because they thought I was the fairy godmother that was bringing raises since they hadn't had one in two years. And so I walk up to the front desk and I said, um, uh, can somebody run Wednesday's schedule? Today is Monday. We're not going to be seeing patients tomorrow, and I need to look at Wednesday's schedule. They had two openings in hygiene on two different hygiene schedules, and that meant four hygiene openings. They're sitting there visiting with one another, and not one person had made an attempt to look at Wednesday's schedule and fill the schedule. And so I said, ladies, I'll be back in 30 minutes. Uh, I don't know which one of you is going to do it, but I'll be back, and I want all four of those openings. I want them to be filled. I came back. They were beaming. They were full, and they were proud of themselves. And I said, okay, take out your pen. I think back in the day, their average recare visit fee was 158 They were about to lose, they thought, $600 only on Wednesday if those two four openings were left. They, in essence, because productivity, uh, hygiene productivity is a third of total volume, in the dentistry that was lost in those four patients' mouths, it might not happen that day, but it'll happen sometime this month, the restorative, that practice was actually going to lose three times 600 So $1,800 in one day, and um, if you take the 22%, which their collections were, multiply 1,800 a day times 20 days, and then multiply that times 12 months, and you'll pretty, it's pretty easy to see that the practice was going to lose a whopping 400 and some thousand, and each team member could, there's no way you can give raises if you have holes in the schedule. So it's really a team effort to keep the schedule full, and that is the best way to increase practice productivity. And the second way is to uh, do all the things we've talked about, which is preserve and, and uh, have a good inventory and not waste things. And, uh, and one of the things in time management is leave your cell phones out of patient care hours have better scheduling, have zero defects. Every time a hole happens in a schedule, the scheduling coordinator should within five minutes have that opening filled because that is like lighting a match to money we'll never see if the openings are not filled. So having a backup list and working that list, those are the ways that we can get raises. 
You know, and, and Linda, uh, you know, you and I talked one time and, and uh, I shared with you that a couple of assistants had told me that their doctors won't ever share numbers with them. And, and I, I love the analogy. Too. Yeah, the analogy that you said was it's like a football game and you, you don't know the score, you know, and you don't know how right. to play. How, we, yeah, how would you like to play your heart out and never know if you're on a winning team or a losing team? I, I just think that, that that was an amazing way to put it. And I think it's a it's a great way to put it to the doctors as well. You know, those that maybe you're worried about, they're not going to share how the practice is doing with you. You know, the, and, and I think asking to see the numbers and to know the numbers isn't just demanding a raise, but it's also showing that you're very uh, keen on building. Trustworthy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, you know, uh, I never, ever had a boss share numbers until my very last employed job. And that was with, uh, in Richmond, Virginia, and uh, he always started every team meeting off with ladies. As you know, everything that happens inside the walls of this office, whether it's about a patient, about a clinical procedure, or about the business of dentistry, it stays within the walls of this office. This is So he went over the little rule of confidentiality, and when he shared the numbers, there are certain numbers that only the doctor, their spouse, and their advisor should ever know. But there are certain numbers that if the team members, the health of the practice numbers, if they don't know those numbers, how can I help my doctor have a better month if I don't know a good month from a bad month? But here's what dentists tell me. When I get dentists aside and they're being very honest with me, when I say, Two things I need to ask you, doctor. Number one, do you share health of the practice numbers? Like how many new patients did we have last month? How many emergency, emergencies did we work in last month? How many of those emergencies were first-time emergencies? If they were first-time emergencies, did we reschedule that patient? So all these health of the practice numbers, if the team members don't know those, they're not going to be motivated to make the numbers look better next month. So when I ask that question, uh, if they're very honest and upfront, a few dentists have said to me, Linda, number one, your second question was, how often do you praise your people in front of their patients or coworkers? He said, I don't share the numbers of my practice with my team. They'll see all those big numbers and think all that money goes home with me. And number two, no, I don't praise them publicly. I write them a little note once in a while. But no, I don't do that because they might want to raise. Well, guess what? If you're not doing these things, there's going to be no raises, and the morale in the office is minus 10. And when morale in the office is low, the customers or patients can feel it. There's no question about that. They can feel it, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's, uh, uh, Linda, I'm going to throw a question out at you. And Heidi, you've been very patient. Uh, but I want to ask uh, Linda, and I think I know the answer to this even before I ask it, but I'll ask it anyway. Do you feel that cross-training for assistance is beneficial? I certainly do. Absolutely. Uh, I want everybody at the front desk to have defined duties. Uh, anytime I went into a practice and said, who's responsible for scheduling, who's responsible for filling the hygiene schedule, who's responsible for answering the phone when it rings. And it was kind of like the favorite question or the favorite answer that was wrong. Oh, well, we all do everything. 
when you have when at the front desk when everyone is doing everything no one's accountable for anything so i love defined duties at the front desk a scheduling coordinator a financial insurance coordinator but and an office manager or practice administrator however i want those people cross trained that they know how to do each other's job they know how to pitch hit because two hours a week, I wanted every single uh, front desk person and every single hygienist and every single assistant to have two hours a week called non-patient time. And that is when we work on all the behind the scenes things that we don't have time to work on when patients are coming and going. Even dentists need two hours a week of non-patient time. So uh, because the desk has to be covered, if, if on Tuesdays, if the front desk scheduler had two hours to go in a back office and work on filling the schedule and reactivating floating recalls, then that is a very productive two hours while the financial person does check in and check out. You can do that. And then I want on Thursday the financial person to go to the back office and have two hours a week on Thursday. And the reason we choose Thursdays for collection calls is because people are happier on Thursday because it's almost the weekend. So we have better collections on Thursday if we make I our calls that. in. <laughs> so I want them cross-trained and I want them to pitch hit. And also in our practice, we had a primary assistant who did all of the big cases in chair one, operatory one. And we had a second assistant who was an outstanding communicator that did all the adult new patient interviews and did 30% operative, but her chair was as busy as our hygiene chair because we scheduled those adult new patient interviews with her. They were rescheduled for hygiene. And so, it, because both of our dental assistants loved the big cases and they were both outstanding communicators, Every other week, Cindy and Sherry switched primary and new patient interviewer. Well, it's Thursday night while we're doing this live, so hopefully everybody's in a really good mood tonight because we are very I'm going to fire the final question at you tonight, and uh, hopefully it'll be a good wrap-up question. Uh, if, there's, if there was one thing that you could change in a, in a dental assistant's mind heading into Monday, what would it be? And I know that's a real broad one, but throw it at you. Okay, um, my first thought is to uh, have a different mindset when you go in on Monday. Uh, I had this conversation with my granddaughter who is a young female executive at 23, and uh, she had a couple whines to me on the phone, and I shared with her, I said, I don't know if someone is influencing you about uh, maybe things not being the way they should be, but I said, count your blessings, young ladies, young lady. Look at the wonderful job you have. Look at the wonderful benefits you have. Go in with a different attitude. You rub off on whoever it is that's not as happy as you should be. And she said, she called me the next week and said, that was the best advice. It totally changed the environment in our works, in our workplace. 
All it takes is one leader to be positive and think about how good it is. And if you keep saying how good it is, it only gets better. I, ver I firmly believe that what we put in, what comes out of our mouth is what comes back to our soul. And, and that's great. And, you know, and, and dental assistants are leaders in the practice. Uh, there's there's no they question. About that. Yep. And your attitude, boy, they can change everything. So, well, Linda, thank you. Uh, we're coming up on, on our hour here. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart and, and for the years that you have been an advocate out there for dental assistants. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I got a lot of my passion for what I do from you. And, and certainly I thank you for being on tonight. Well, thank you for having me, Kevin. It's my pleasure. And dental assistants are absolutely the, the, the eyes and the other set of hands in the treatment room, and they make or break the practice up front. So I'm just proud to be a dental assistant. Maybe an old dental assistant, but proud to be one. <laughs> well, and I know dental assistants around the country are proud to have you in their corner. So thank you again. Well, thank you. You're and, welcome. And and I, I just want to encourage all of you tonight uh, who are on with us or if you're listening to this on demand or on our podcast or whatever, make sure that you're checking out Ignite DA's library of on-demand webinars that are completely free. Uh, we've we've had some great guests on in the past. Uh, we've had some great topics that we've tackled. So certainly want to make sure that you are uh, aware of the resources at your fingertips. Everything is free on Ignite DA. Just go on the DA on demand. Uh, and certainly you can you can look everything up from there. Uh, and with that, and Kevin, may, may I have one closing statement? Yeah, I forgot well, something really, really important. And that is when we're talking about changing the attitude, um, go in Monday morning and start praising and appreciating your doctor in front of the patients and coworkers. Watch your work environment and their mindset change to the positive. Hey, that's that that's a great way to turn things around on a Monday as well. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay. And and I know a couple of you, Heidi and Judy, you all have said thank you to Linda and certainly want to pass that along. Uh, again, I oh, know thank you. Tonight, uh, it meant a lot for, uh, to hear you this evening. Um, tonight's CE code, if you're taking this, uh, it is F O two fifteen eighteen. That's F O two fifteen eighteen. If you're taking this. For CE, it's only $5 uh, to, if you want to use this toward uh, any kind of CE, you can certainly do that. And with that, I'm going to encourage you, uh, make it one last thing for me. Make sure you check out the Ignite DA events page. That's where we have all of our lists of upcoming webinars, as well as where I will be speaking, where Ignite DA will be speaking. Uh, our next webinar, I believe, is on February 27th. Uh, we're trying to do a variety of topics, and this one will be about uh, helping um, patients of all mental states, uh, whether that is depression, whether that is uh, uh, learning disabilities, whatever it might be. And so we have a speaker coming on to talk about the dental assistant's role with that. Again, just trying to make sure that we uh, help you all as best we can with your day and your career. So with that, I'm going to sign off. Make sure you check out DA On Demand on Ignite DA. And this is Kevin Henry thanking you so much for being a part of tonight. Have a great evening. And again, thank you so much. Good night.